Hey everybody, welcome to the Future Money Show, episode two. Uh, we talk about a lot of good stuff today. We talk about what is Web three, um, and it's di- the difference between Web one, two, and three. Uh, we talk about staking and crypto loans, Bitcoin City. We talk about artifacts uh, being acquired by Nike and what that means uh, in the world of fashion and going in the future for brands. We talk about Satoshi Nakamoto a little bit. Uh, and we also end with some advice as usual. Uh, and I think there's a lot to be listened to in this podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And without further ado, enjoy. This is the Future Money Show. All right, we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Um, I thought last podcast we were talking a lot about Web3 and we threw that word around a lot. And I was thinking about it after the podcast and it made me realize maybe not everybody here knows what Web3 even is. You know, what's the difference between Web1, Web2, and Web3? Like a few months ago, We'd never heard those terms ever. You know, those are very new terms. So I thought it'd be good to talk about it. Uh, what is your understanding of what Web 1, 2, and 3 is? I think, why don't you start? Uh, me, personally, I guess I'll start from Web 3, coming back down. I guess Web 3 is like more of the application of these assets being integrated into our everyday systems is what I, is what I understand it and to to explain it better of what Web3 is to me, at least, is the internet of value, basically. It's where these projects that you're buying into will be able to be used in the real world, right? i.e. the metaverse or in your day-to-day life kind of thing. Web2, that I understand it, is the internet of information. That's the best way to explain Like I understand it in my personal opinion. Yeah, so I guess my understanding of it is web one was like the HTTP, right? Where that first came out and that was our first entry into the internet, right? The the World Wide web and web two would be when it became easier for everybody to post on it, right? Everybody could interact with it in the form of social media and websites. Um, yeah, so it's like all all information based kind of thing, like right? And that kind. Of yeah, thing. so like, and it became it became very easy for us to post and to create content yeah. on social media. That's web web two. Now web three is I've heard this term thrown around, and I, I think I understand it. Um, that you now have the ability to own not only post on social media, right? We through the lens of some other company. But now we have the ability to actually own the network, right? Which, which means we're not yeah. posting through Google or YouTube or whatever. You're posting through like a, a like self-custodial thing. Like you own the network, yeah. meaning you get the at least part of the profits. And I think it's basically, pretty interesting. Basically, yeah, it's like, for sure. It's like you're, how can I say it? You're in control. So it's your decentralization from a centralized source, basically. Yeah. Um, like... I've heard this. I've heard this said. So when Web One came out, a lot of businesses failed to adapt. Right? Um, yeah. It, it became almost necessary for these companies to create a, have an online presence and create a website. Right? And it became even way more profitable to have a website when before the Web One, before the internet came out, it, you know, all you had was was physical stores, you know, and physical locations and 
that kind of yeah, advertising. 100%. So the whole world changed. And nowadays you can't even think about creating a business without having an online presence. You know, it's like essential. No, exactly. And, exactly. and in the same way, I think that in the future, it will be essential for, for businesses to have some sort of web three presence, whether it be, you know, gaining funding through creating a coin. I don't know what it looks like in the future, but uh, I've heard websites be compared to coins like in in uh, in the web3 world i mean i agree and also i guess having control of your I guess just say your website is also very good for security purposes as well because you're not putting that power in someone else's hands like you have the control more control over it like it's funny that you're talking about web3 because you have a company called unstoppable domains right and I think I've talked to you about it. And you know, like a dot com domain, you don't own outright. You have to rent that yearly. Like you can right. never, like personally own it. You can only rent it. But with unstoppable domains, for example, you own that domain outright. That's yours. It's a decentralized domain and it's yours completely. You can build a website out of it. You can use it as a payment system. You can do whatever you want with it. It is yours and yours alone. Is it? So what, what you got one for our show, it's dot uh, something like I've, I've heard dot ETH a lot. So we have a doc like for ours is dot crypto. So we have a future money show dot crypto. So and it's basically like that's, you, that's you're ours. saying that you can pay, you can send money there or send money from or, or how does it yeah, work? So I don't like, really understand. Uh, I'm not sure. If you've used MetaMask before, yeah, yeah, I've used MetaMask. So, so like MetaMask is like a trust wallet, those kind of things. Um, what happens is you link your MetaMask to the unstoppable domain, or you can link your trust wallet, or there's other applications you can link to it, but just basically some wallet that you can link to it. Uh, and instead of you saying, "Hey, Paul, I want you to pay me." to ether let me send you this long ass address instead of having to do right. that all you send it to is a future money.com our, our future money.crypto and it'll automatically send it to our eth address hmm. and did you say you can like build on top of it also like a kind of like can, how you, you can, can build, build a on website ETH. out of it it's pretty cool um it's kind of interesting yeah, that so you're cool. saying that like that's like that you're what you can build a website on in web three is also what you get paid through <laughs> and also where you manage yeah. your money. It's, it's kind of fun. It's like yeah. saying like, uh, like youtube.com, like that's where you pay that you pay youtube.com, you know, or like if you, if I created a website, like you just get paid on that website. It's kind of cool. Um, it's, it's kind of, it is kind of crazy. I'm not going to lie. Uh, when I was messing around with it a little bit, cause I guess I got to it a little bit early um because when i first opened it you weren't able to do certain things but now because it's becoming more popular and it's starting to grow yeah you can you can now build a website you can manage it all that kind of stuff and i was just toying around with it you can add almost every crypto to your website under the crypto. So cool. if someone wanted to send us something like Solana or even like Doge or something like that, they could send it to us. It automatically just get put in the wallet as a placeholder and then mm. you can do whatever did, you want. Did it. you see that 
Elon Musk said he's going to accept Doge. <laughs> yeah, of course. And then Doge took <laughs> off. Yeah. Went up, well, like, went up 38% right away as soon mm-hmm. as he said that. Like, that he said he's going to accept it for cars, I think. Or if, yeah, what was it like for? his merch and stuff like that. Oh, his like, merch. That's what it was. Think, yeah, his yeah. merch. Of course, of course, he'll accept it for his merch, dude. He just bought, he just made a bunch of money probably on Doge. <laughs> I mean, isn't it, isn't it crazy though? Like, literally, like one celebrity tweets and it's just like a frenzy. I don't even know if it's right. any celebrity, it's Elon Musk. Elon Musk has so yeah, much power true. over these markets, it's crazy. That's because he goes against the SEC, like, literally, like, publicly tells them to go yeah. against themselves. So, I mean, like, yeah, like, all right, well, I think this would be a good point time to talk about the crypto loans um, yeah, sure now that we're on the topic of decentralization yeah yeah um once um, you start us off all right uh I'll, yeah i'll take it from here so i was actually this caused me to go and actually do some more research but i was talking to a friend and we were talking about investments and he was telling me that he has a wealth manager that does investments for them and gives them like their yearly return, gives them a yearly dividend and stuff like that. And just out of curiosity, because it is a good friend of mine, I asked him what was his percentage. And he said it was 12% is what he gets back every year. Now, for me, that's that's really, really good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Coming out of this market, that's that's pretty, that's pretty solid. But with that being said, I told him without me lifting a finger, I can guarantee him 10 to 12% in the crypto market, guaranteed without me doing anything. And that's without me doing any hard work at all. That's just me putting it all into a stable asset. He's like, how, 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 like, how, how, did you, how can you figure that out? And the thing is, because it's such a new space, people don't know, I guess, where trust or how to look for these things. But there's platforms that, that give you, I know we're going to go into crypto loans, but I'm just going to take staking first and then transition to that. But you have staking platforms on almost every single exchange. Now, for me, my favorite is Nexo. This is not financial advice, by the way. Um, I use Nexo for my stable asset staking because I get 12, 10 to 12% on USDC, USDT. Like you, you can't get that from a bank, like not even close. And the fact that he has a really good financial advisor that's getting him 12% out of the stock market, that is very good in my opinion, but I can get you something from a very stable asset. That's not me taking any risks at all. That's just me just putting your money aside and letting it accumulate like in the safest way possible. If you were to take a more riskier approach, you can make 30%, 40% APY on on your staking assets. And if you really want to take it to another level, I mean, we'll, another podcast will talk about DAOs, but DAO projects, you're, you're making hundreds of thousands of percent, thousand percent, 18,000 percent on your asset. But yeah, like you know, staking is being on Polkadot two years ago when Polkadot was like seven bucks. And then Polkadot had its what it had its run up to like fifty or whatever. But I was I was I made seventeen uh, percent on my Polkadot from when I first started staking. So I made so much in the last like last two years of just holding it. It's ridiculous. So when you say 
um, you can put it in a stable coin and it will be a lot more secure and less risky than some of the other staking methods. Is that just because it's tied to the U S dollar? Is this, uh, is that, yeah. So it yeah. kind of holds. Yeah. So it, would you say it's comparable to like staking the U S dollar per se? Yeah. Without the return, <laughs> the most known coin is USDT besides Bitcoin. I don't trust tether for my own personal reasons. I think tether is a bubble that's waiting to pop. But USD is my asset because they're like with Circle and are created by Circle. And I just love their project. They're doing, they're going about it the right way. Now with them, they're a very trustworthy project and they are tied to the US dollar. So whatever the US dollar is doing is what they're doing as well. Like Mm -hmm. like they're backed by them kind of thing. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I just don't, I don't get how there can be thousands of percent i just don't understand <laughs> um yeah with the dow projects yeah i don't i guess i just don't understand we don't have to talk about it right now but i just how can that be possible is it doesn't make sense to me it's but i've it's seen how, i've seen hundreds of per, thousands of percents in some of them <laughs> i'm gonna throw this out there to anyone that's listening a lot of people got into Time Wonderland, which was amazing because of the amount of percentages that they were doing. But Hector Dow, Hector Dow is insane, like insane <laughs> percentages that you get back. The only thing about Dow projects is because we're in a bull run, it kind of sucks because if your project does its 10x, its 50x, its 100x, then you kind of get screwed because your your money is going to be worth more than whatever you put in that DAO anyways. Because mm-hmm. what 10x is a thousand percent, isn't it? Like so, yeah. it's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of tough. That's the only risky side of it that I see. I mean, I don't think they're going to be sustainable. As I don't think ninety percent of the market is sustainable. But right now, it's just the next wave. I think there will be DAOs that stick around after. Uh, there's been talk that V chain might turn into a DAO. Now, you know, VeChain is a very big project. Right. So if they do that, you know it's credible. But then whoever's holding VeChain right now is going to potentially hold a big-ass bag. So it's like... I, yeah, I should have bought VeChain. You have VeChain, right? You have a few percent. Yeah, I have a lot of it. Yeah. But, we'll, but we'll, talk, we'll talk about it like in another podcast when I like do more of a deep dive. I yeah, okay. Well, I know... Money. Let's talk about crypto loans then. I know that... Um, a huge percentage of the crypto market is leveraged, like a way higher percentage than the stock market. I know it's a lot smaller of a market, but I know it's it's like I forget the percentage. I, I don't I looked at it one time, but it's like a huge percentage of the of the crypto market is leveraged. Oh yeah, for sure. And I also know that I remember Coinbase you used to be able to like get loans to buy houses or something literally on the front page to off collateral of your Bitcoin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you could do that on Binance. You could do that on um, Nexo, like I was saying. Uh, you get collateralized. The crypto loads is, is crazy. It's super risky, I, mean, it's, I feel it's, like. It is, it is risky. I mean, that's the thing, though. But that's the thing about these markets. These markets are very volatile, very risky. But if you are confident in your investment and like, say, for example, okay, so we know in the crypto space you have your runners and you have your laggards. So the assets that you think that are going to go last, but you have a good accumulation of, you can use that as a loan to buy whatever else you need to do. And then obviously, you know, like pay it back, but it is risky. It's extremely risky. 
But yeah. I mean, if you're confident in what you're doing as a trader, then you're good to go. I mean, I dabbled in it a couple of times, uh, very small loans, nothing like too risky. Um, but yeah, I, I like it. The only thing I didn't really like, you have to put up a substantial amount of collateral in, in like for what you get back. But uh, I mean, it's your it's your crypto at the end of the day. Like no bank problems, none of that. Like it's very straightforward, very easy. Approvals are like a hundred percent. So I mean, that's what do you, what, it's what very do you appealing, think? very attractive. Yeah, what do you think about this? Uh, I know. What do you think about going to a bank and getting a loan at like I don't know six percent interest? So I don't know something like I don't know what it's at right now. Some like five percent or whatever it is, and then going and staking it and getting fifteen, <laughs> right, and paying off that loan and just you just get the easy bag. That's passive income right there, you know. I mean, yeah, it is happening. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. you probably just gave away a secret. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, no, I've seen people do that. You just go and get a low not, interest not loan. Advice. Yeah, you just go and get a low interest <laughs> loan and go stake it for, and get like a huge percentage and pay it off super fast. Bro, bro, it's crazy. But that's what I'm saying. Like, imagine that, like, you're getting 12% in a stable asset. So you're not taking any like major risk whatsoever. Kraken, for example, Kraken's a, to me, Kraken is the best security exchange that you could ever get because they have a bank charter. I don't, I don't know about many other exchanges that have bank charters, but Kraken has a bank charter. Uh, mm-hmm. Kraken is what I use for my transactions because it's by far my favorite exchange when it comes to stuff like that. I have an asset in uh, Kraken right now that I get 20% uh, for staking that asset. It's a solid asset some big researchers i won't say who but some big researchers actually back this asset and you get 20 percent on it so i'm just here like yeah give it to me yeah. <laughs> give it to me and the crazy part is if i go and take out a loan for like say 10 grand right and this asset is above one dollar and i'm getting 20 percent on that asset and i stake my 10 grand or whatever like i'm gonna make like a ton of money on my a lot of passive income on that on that 10 grand loan that i took out for sure like you said yeah it's so interesting i I wonder if over time you know like because we don't see these kind of rates in the stock market so much i wonder if over time as the market grows and becomes more stable and has a lot larger market cap i wonder if some of these percentages will drop in the future oh yeah no doubt no doubt 100 percent. it's because it's new uh it's new, it's growing, that kind of stuff. Like you're not going to see thousands of percent, hundreds of percent in the market when regulations come. However, those assets that are still around, those are going to have their initial big boom. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're still going to have gradual growth for sure because they're now going to have institutional money just pouring into them. Like for example, when I was in high school, an Amazon stock cost 200 bucks. Like I'm pretty Jeez, sure that wasn't even that. It was two hundred dollars when you were in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking 20, 2015. It was like two hundred something dollars. That's when, crazy. When I was in high school. But now, but now you're talking. Now it's two grand. Like uh, Netflix. Netflix was <laughs> Netflix was forty bucks when I was in high school. Yeah, that's crazy. I think people forget how fast sometimes this stuff happens. But that's what I'm saying. Like so. A space like this that will have your your Googles, your Amazons, your Netflix of the crypto world, 
just imagine the price appreciation that those coins are going to have. It's pretty interesting. Um, I know you wanted to talk about Miami a little bit, or at least Bitcoin City. <laughs> um, Love Miami. I know they have a lot of different conventions in Miami. It, it, are you are you are you referring to Miami when you when you say that? Bitcoin City. Yeah. Or are you referring to something else? I'm referring to both Miami and El Salvador. One is hot, one is not. I'm going be real with you. Um, so Wyoming was like one of the most like crypto-friendly places. But I mean, who wants to go to Wyoming? Like, no offense, obviously. But then uh, Miami now is like the Silicon Valley, in my opinion. And a lot of major crypto people have moved there obviously they have the bitcoin conferences there there's a ton of innovation moving to florida uh especially on the crypto front it's it's growing like crazily the amount of people that i've seen that are influencers and uh have a lot of knowledge of this space have moved there to you know build their brand kind of thing with el salvador El Salvador recently made, like re- recently in the last couple of months, made um, Bitcoin legal tender. Now, personally, I don't know if there's something behind that. I, I don't think it's a good thing because, I mean, El Salvador is a third world country, isn't it? Like their, econo- their economy is not really that great. So, yeah, I mean, one can only assume that they have a lot of corruption going on. So it makes sense that Bitcoin would become legal tender. But if I can see Bitcoin becoming a legal tender in some other major country, that's that's completely different. You know what I mean? So yeah. when I saw it, it was good for like a hype kind of stance and, oh, hey, a country's adopting it, but it's El Salvador. It's not. See, not I, US. It's I not thought VA like or something like that. My assumption is that some of these third world countries, they just have failing currencies and just like you hear of you hear of countries in Africa that just they'll burn their money or. Or they, they just walk around with wheelbarrows of money for a loaf of bread or something, and that's just because they're they have a failing currency. And maybe Bitcoin sounds like an appealing alternative to them because they don't really have a better solution. Um, exactly. And maybe that's maybe that's the position El Salvador's in. I'm not sure, but I don't know. That that's that was my assumption of why maybe they do that. For sure. I mean, I'll dive deeper into it. And then, like, next podcast, I'll probably, like, you know, finish up my thought. But, yeah, I, I, I would say that I don't think that was a good thing. I think there's more behind the scenes. I think it got the attention of people for sure, but the price action didn't show that it was a good thing. That's funny. I hear in Florida right now there's a lawsuit going on with the guy who claims to be Satoshi. Um, he claims to be satoshi and basically satoshi is the the pseudonym for the person who uh created bitcoin right he's still anonymous and he has control over one mil over one million bitcoin and it hasn't even moved it hasn't moved since he's had it really like he hasn't sent it anywhere i don't i don't think it's one person that created bitcoin if i'm gonna be real with you Uh, that's probably true i i I can't imagine it was one dude you know i think organization and i'm not gonna say who or what i think it is i'm not <laughs> trying to get canceled <laughs> but, i know wouldn't it be something if, if like look, wouldn't it be something if the bitcoin like the decentralized coin was really created by like the most centralized companies 
Okay, I'm just going to say what I think it is. And actually, you know what? I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm just going to let people wonder. But search where the first Bitcoin block was made and where the first Bitcoin transactions happened. Where was it? Where was it? Tell me. <laughs> just put two and two together and then you'll be you'll be able to you'll be able to assume where I think it was good. And it to be honest, it would only make sense that th this entity made Bitcoin because of what they're supposed to do, it would make sense. Because it, it would be able to monitor everything and remain anonymous. Cause I mean that's what they that's what they would do. But so I'm gonna hint at it. So you have something on the left, you have something on the right, and what's another word for something in the middle? It begins with C. Uh, you have something on the left, you have something on the right, and then middle, but instead of middle, replace it with another word, and the word begins with C. And it ends with L. <laughs> Just say it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first word is central. I'm not saying oh, I anymore. It. Okay. After that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I maybe the second word in that is if it's not if you're not smart, you're it begins with I. That's all I'm gonna <laughs> say, and that's who I believe created Bitcoin. Leaving it at that. I don't know. I I could see a world where Bitcoin was created by some organization or or agency. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Like I, I definitely don't think this guy's the, the the dude. But what I do know is in Coinbase's uh, like when they went when they went public, they listed all of the things that they think could be a risk to their business, and if it happened in the future, and one of them was the revealing of the name of Satoshi or revealing the identity of Satoshi. If that came out and we found out who created Bitcoin, Coinbase as a company believes that it would hurt their business because it would hurt Bitcoin because um, I don't know. There's something about it being anonymous that makes it seem better, I guess. If I'm going to be completely honest, I no hate to Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the, granddaddy of the space it is the boss right now right um it's also the biggest branding thing when it comes to crypto now my thing is bitcoin is very antiquated it's very slow it costs a ton to mine so but because it's so big yes if the identity of who satoshi is were to come out yes it would affect quite heavily it would affect the market quite heavily across the board so any exchange that's holding bitcoin bitcoin holds what a trillion market cap that's half the market so yeah it would definitely affect it significantly but then if you also know who it is really behind it that could make or break you as well if it, i mean then you could start with your innovation side of it because now you can readapt re and revamp yourself at that point once you've outed who you are or it could completely crash and then depending on who it <laughs> is your altcoins that take over exactly then it's your altcoins that take over because it would be really bad if a centralized entity is who created bitcoin and, and they're promoting decentralization that would that'd be a contradiction yeah that, that would, would be bad really play out well all right well there was a big 
acquisition in the world of Web3, or I guess we can shift to this. Uh, Nike bought Artifact. Have you heard of Artifact before? I have heard of Artifact. I don't know. They're, they're like a digital company brand. Uh, probably brand is a better way to, to call them. Um, they create like collectible sneakers and shoes in like the NFT space, digital goods space. Um, they've had a lot of successful stuff. I know they're, they have lots of different um, releases that they've done that have popped off with the youth. But Nike bought them. They acquired them. And it's one of the big moves here. Like the, the past big move it was Adidas. They just, they bought an NF, a board ape. <laughs> that was their way of getting into the NFT space. They bought a board yeah. ape. And then Nike comes around the corner and acquires, yeah, ar- acquires yeah, Artifact. They didn't release the details of it, but it's pr- probably going to be anywhere from like 300 or so million dollars to upwards of a billion is how much they paid for this company, which honestly might've been, might've been a steal. Honestly, Nike's always been kind of a company that kind of only targets the younger de- demographic. They, they kind of ignore everyone else and they just focus on the youth. They'll even say it. I know that's because they believe these trends are started by youth. And they're driven by the youth and they, they probably saw like an overlap between their core demographic and NFTs. That's the only reason they would do this. For me, just, I like, you know, since I was a kid, Nike is by far my favorite brand. Mm -hmm. Nike should make me an ambassador like by now because of the (laughs) amount of Nike things I own. (laughs) Um, Nike as a whole is, if you think about like major, major athlete under their brand, even just sports, sorry, like just in general, like Nike's not reached out into the music space. And now, like you said, the NFT, cause like, okay, look at Drake. Drake is what arguably the biggest artist out in our generation, right? Mm-hmm. Drake has deal with Nike and Jordan. Like, I mean, Jordan is Nike. This is the same, but, and even look at that <laughs> as well. Like, yeah, Nike is is a crazy company, honestly. They're, yeah. They're I mean, if they want to get into this Web3 world, which they do, obviously, and they are, you can think about how they would go about it. They could hire programmers, you know, and developers to kind of develop their own stuff. But they're, those developers are probably already making millions of dollars, you know, so like... So go after a leader. So they, oh, so the they either... Yeah, 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 like you can't just hire a bunch of them. You have to pay them a lot in salary because they're already making so much. So the move would just be acquiring one of these things like they did Artifact. Exactly. Um, I mean, like Adidas is obviously a really big brand as well. And they're, they're like I saw, I did see that because on Twitter, they changed their, um, changed their picture to one of the apes. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, even you go through their website, you can see that they mention it and stuff like that. It's just it, every, everyone is adapting right now. Mm-hmm. Like, even the athletes, like I, I saw uh, Steph, Steph changed his Twitter, um, to an ape as well i know everybody's just turning their things to apes or whatever nfts they have yeah like even the rappers are making like nfts now i saw uh a lot and be able baby i saw baron yeah little baby i saw um baron davis who's like an older basketball player but i saw him trying to sell his nfts as well i was like oh interesting everyone's getting into it Mm -hmm. some of the athletes are now even taking their pay in in crypto like odo yeah just checking in bitcoin Mm-hmm. there's there's a few of them um i don't know it'd be interesting to see what nike does with it they could go the route there's a few things they could do they could probably go the route of just 
ending, you know, like artifact was their main competitor, right. In that, in the sneaker NFT space. So they could, they could just end it. Right. I feel like, I feel like their acquiring of artifact is more an acquiring of their team and without having to go and find developers, you know, so they're just going to probably develop some cool stuff. Yeah, for sure. But it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. But one thing, but I mean, I do obviously collections with artifact as well, though. I mean, cause it's the same thing. Like whenever you see like a, okay, you have like Nike stuff, but whenever you see a Nike X, another brand Nike X, whatever, you know that's gonna have like five, ten times the value. Like, right. All right, like for example, if you get one of the Drake Nike items or merch, anything like that, bro, it's like ten times more than what you pay for that regular item from Nike. Right. Or if you have like a Nike X Off White something, like it's it's ridiculous. Like the price the prices are crazy in comparison. So that if you have a Nike X artifact in the NFT space, you're gonna be like, oh, yo, that's that's something special. Mm-hmm. one thing i do think it will do is it'll force it, this is going to force other brands to, to to do it as well like if nike is leading the way and, and is pretty much one of the first like does one of the first acquisitions of these companies uh it's going to force a lot of other brands to do the same so i think probably sure. in the next few months especially next year we're going to be seeing a lot of these different news events we're going to we're going to hear adidas and puma and all these different companies we're going to hear them uh getting into the NFT space for sure. One one interesting thing about it is that when the internet came out, uh, like web one, web two, it, it more web two, it created hundreds of thousands, if not millions of different fashion brands, right? Because it, it lowered the barrier to entry. And now you have so many different fashion brands. In the same way, I feel like this NFT space is going to lower the barrier to entry even more. And in, in the next decade, you're going to see multiples of what the amount of fashion brands we've seen in, in art and whatever it may be. See, I agree with that. It'll be better for artists. It, the only thing is about like your traditional artists, they're unfortunately going to have to adapt with the times. But I mean, that's anything you do in life. Right. But yeah, no, this is going to be way easy, not easier, but it'll be a better platform for them to get their artwork out. It's like, like we were talking about last podcast, we were talking about, about like, you know, like them kind of having a barter system because you're going to have so much out there. You're going to be picking it on the creativity behind it rather than just the name. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it's like same thing with fashion brands. Like, yeah, beforehand, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, Gucci, Louis, all that kind of stuff is still very, very, very popular. But now you have Nike making exclusives, Adidas making exclusives, Under Armour making exclusives, like all these other brands making exclusives. Like it doesn't take away from obviously those big brands, but I mean, at the same time, like no one's going to knock you for having like an exclusive Nike, like, you know, jumper or something like that. So, and wearing other fashion brands that, you know, that look cool and stuff like that. Like I have a pair of pants that I wear whenever I go to the gym. They're the most comfortable pair of pants I've ever worn in my life. I don't even know what brand it is, but they're nice. They're <laughs> sick. <laughs> like they're camo and they're, and they're, and they're really, really nice. But I just, I just like the style of them. So I started buying some more stuff from them. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. fashion and it fits me nice. So I like it, but now you're, you're hundred percent right with that. But the thing is, I think the prices of stuff will for sure go down with the more people coming into the market. Mm-hmm. it's it, it's interesting that it's literally like nike is getting into the shoe game in the nft space which means in the digital space so 
uh, imagine you have you're walking around in sandbox <laughs> walking around in decentraland and you got some nice jordans on that you know only 100 people have and everyone's looking at you and you know you paid a lot of money for them i guess Nike. do you see a world where nike sells more of those in the virtual world than they do in real life <laughs> yeah honestly i mean like I, i'm gonna keep comparing the metaverse to gta because like I'm not going to lie. Like when I get like really, really bored and I just want to play GTA for those that have played, like I have you know, you get a couple apartments, you get like a house or whatever, whatever. So I have like suits <laughs> that I have like my casual wear and so on and so forth. But just comparing GTA to what the metaverse will look like, like you go into a store, you have like the high end store that's in like LA and GTA that you go and pay for like the more expensive stuff then you go to like the lesser expensive areas and you buy the cheaper stuff kind of it'll be the same it'll literally be the same yeah i think that you'll have a situation where because people don't really want to wear the collectibles like i have a pair of jordan fours that are collectibles i haven't put them on my feet one time jordan 11s are my are my favorite 11s i have like, like a collection i haven't put them on because i don't want the value to go down you know what I mean? Like that's I a great point. Yeah. Whatever I want digitally, it won't matter. My shoes aren't going to get scuffed. They're not going to get ran down. Right. And imagine if Nike introduces, you know, you, you wait in line, you buy the shoe in real life, you get the NFT version of it and you can go wear it, you know, exactly. That would be so, I can, so cool. They would have lines out the door so for I that. Wear it. Exactly. So it's like, I can wear it. Like our uh, recipes, Kobe, Kobe's are my favorite shoes that I did. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have like a few pairs of Kobe sixes. You can't buy Kobe's like, like for retail anymore. Like they're just not a thing, especially now that like Nike having like the dispute with Vanessa and stuff like that. Like this, you can't get Kobe's easily anymore. So I can see that where they're like, they might have like one more release of the, Oh, we're going to release this pair of Kobe's. If you buy it here, you get the NFT version of it that you can wear around in the metaverse. Like people that play 2k, like you go to my park, but if you're in the metaverse and I see a basketball court, oh, look, I have these Kobe's on. Like, they're rare. You know yeah. what I mean? But I'm not scuffing my real Kobe's in real life. They're still in the box. Mm-hmm. I mean, we already get a taste of it in, like, in video games when we buy skins. Like, yeah, everybody sure. buys skins when you play video games. It's like, oh, let me use yours. Let me use your skin. Yours is really cool. People pay a lot of money for that, bro. And in, in, in Valorant or CSGO, those, those skins were... They get up there, man. Some of them are upwards of a hundred dollars. Like they're that expensive, and people people buy it. There's a huge market for it. I, I absolutely see a world where they sell more in the metaverse than they do in the real world. Only in the sense that, you know, they can be global, right? Everybody will wear those shoes, whereas it's a lot harder to sell them in a lot of these countries. Whereas I feel like this Web three world will be global. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I think it would be probably a good place to uh to give some advice we could close it out um i guess guess yeah i'll give mine um i've been i get caught up in school i do a lot in school i do a lot of reading online and studying charts and doing that kind of thing um but i i kind of lose touch with actually reading a physical book sometimes Uh, and i've been wanting to do that lately and and get back into reading like i did when i was younger so, I mean, I, I'll give a suggestion. I'm, this is the book I'm reading right now. It's called The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. I also, I listen to a lot of podcasts also. I, I kind of 
do that instead of reading books. But yeah, I just think it's good for us to actually get a physical copy of a book. Sometimes we get caught up in reading on our phones and on the internet and on our computers. So yeah, that would be my, that would be my advice if, if anyone wants to take it. Cause I'm taking it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. Honestly, it was the same for me. Cause like when I'm in like heavy, like work mode, I tend to put an audiobook on the back or something like that, just so I can listen to it in the background. Or even like when I'm taking a nap, I'll like play an audiobook and fall asleep to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just absorbing that, like, you know, like that positivity and good energy kind of stuff for me um taking a walk i never thought in my life that taking a walk would have made such a big difference i've had days where i'll get up in the morning and i'll work straight till dark and i don't even realize like then you can see my blinds are down behind me so it's like it's probably dark outside now to be honest i haven't even looked taking a walk and taking a fresh breath like taking 15 minutes 20 minutes to myself no phone no internet no nothing just sitting with myself has been the most refreshing thing that I have been able to do. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody, but just taking some time for yourself is, is really, really good. Another thing for me is distractions. I've eliminated as many distractions as I possibly can because I have goals and I'm pretty sure everyone that's listening to this, you have goals as well. Uh, you won't be able to do it unless you eliminate the distractions that are around you, honestly. So if you want to lock in and focus, you need to you need to push yourself to get rid of those distractions. That's the only way it's gonna you're gonna be able to start to to do what you're trying to do. Yeah, that's good advice. I like I, I like to go for a walk in the morning or a walk or a run in the morning because it kind of starts my day off good. Get the um, endorphins going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel awake, gets me going. Get to be outside for a sec, breathe some fresh air. Yeah, maybe I'll start doing that. Maybe that'll be my routine. I'll wake up in the morning, go for a run, read my book for like 30 minutes, and then get the day started. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think it was a good episode. Uh, drink lots of water, read a book, go for a walk, <laughs> <laughs> buy an NFT sneaker from Nike. Sure. And uh, yeah, so make sure you like, subscribe, follow for more. We'll be uploading soon um yeah thanks for watching for sure see you next time